0: Well, today we're concluding our message series on relationships, and in the past few weeks we've discussed what the Bible has to say about how we can encourage one another, how we can grow in patience, and last week we talked about learning to love unconditionally. Now this week, uh, I mean really those topics are are all areas that God wants us to grow in in every relationship that we have, but this week we're going to talk about what I think is one of the most crucial, one of the most critical aspects of relationships, because if we don't get what we're going to talk about today right, it can really destroy a relationship, and it can affect our relationship with God himself as well. And so today we're going to talk about choosing forgiveness. We're going to talk about the topic of forgiveness. Why do we need forgiveness? Because in every relationship that we're in, the other person is not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things that hurt us. They're going to sin. And we are going to sin. We're going to hurt other people in our relationships. And so forgiveness is absolutely essential. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is what we do, how we respond when somebody has hurt or harmed us in some way. To forgive is to, is to give up seeking revenge or retaliation. That's the natural response, right? Somebody hurts us. What do we want to do? Get him back, right? But that's not God's way. That's not forgiveness. To forgive is to pray for somebody who's hurt us, seeking God's best for them, seeking to show God's love to them, unconditionally love, loving that person. To forgive is to seek, if at all possible, to be reconciled with that person, to have the relationship restored and strengthened. Now, sometimes forgiveness is easy. If it's just a small thing, we say, oh, I forgive you. Or if it's where the other person comes up and says, I'm really sorry, It's, it's not too hard to forgive the person. But oftentimes, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is hard when the hurt is deep. It's a very painful hurt sometimes, and it's harder to forgive. Sometimes it's hard to forgive when somebody hurts us repeatedly, or they're not sorry at all. It's difficult to forgive in those cases. And sometimes people say, well, I just can't forgive that person. Well, according to the Bible, that's not true. We really should be saying, I I won't forgive that person rather than I can't. We can do what God commands us to do. Let's look at what the Bible says in Colossians 3.13. And I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. Along with the VBS flyer is our outline with the verses written out. On the back are study questions that you can do on your own, in your personal quiet time, or in our life groups. Colossians 3.13 says, if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And so when do we have a complaint against somebody? When they've hurt us, when they've wronged us, when they've sinned against us, and we are to forgive that person. Why? Because the Lord has forgiven us. Because we've been forgiven by the Lord, we also in turn can forgive those who have wronged us. Now, how do we know if we have unforgiveness in our hearts towards another person? Well, here are some signs. When you think of this other person, it's not warm, fuzzy feelings. It's bitterness. It's anger. It's resentment. And if those are the first thoughts that you feel about somebody else, then you know you have some unforgiveness in your heart. You may be holding a grudge of unforgiveness against the other person. Now perhaps there's somebody in your life that you don't feel these negative feelings about all the time, but you become angry with them when they do or say something that reminds you of something that happened in the past. And then then you feel these negative vibes coming on. That anger that comes back is a sign Of something that's not been forgiven. Something that's happened in the past. And that unforgiveness can create a wedge between you and the other person. And that unforgiveness can create a wedge between you and God. Because in this First Colossians 3.13, it says you also must forgive. That's a command. And if we don't forgive, what have we just done? We have just sinned. And that is going to cause a break in our relationship with God. And so this morning, if, as we speak about forgiveness, if there's a person that comes to mind or something that happened in the past and God is beginning to show you or you already know that you haven't forgiven that person. God wants to release you from the pain of that hurt so that you can truly forgive from your heart. I like to watch as a way of introduction a a short video called The Forgiven. So when we truly understand how we've been forgiven by God, then we can and we must forgive others. In fact, forgiveness is meant to be a lifestyle for the believer. Every day we confess our sins. Every day we receive forgiveness from Christ. And every day, if you're in relationship with other people, people are going to do things that hurt you. Some are little, some are bigger. But we are to live a lifestyle of forgiveness just as God forgives us. And so let's look today at three steps to forgiving that will help us to forgive even when it's hard. First of all, as we saw in that video, we need to receive God's forgiveness. In order to truly forgive other people from our hearts, we need to have experienced the forgiveness that comes from God alone. And so receiving God's forgiveness begins as we recognize the greatness of our own sin. You see, most of us, when we look at ourselves, we have a tendency to minimize our own sin and magnify the sin of others. Our sin isn't so bad, but boy, what that other person did to me is really uh, not so good at all. And we tend to do this as we watch the news, either on the Internet or on television. We see Of course, the news is really all about bad things happening, right, for the most part. Not much good news on the news. And so it's all bad things. Bad people doing bad things, right? And we sit there, it's like, well, I would never do that. I mean, those are crazy people going around blowing things up, killing people, doing all this stuff. And I'm really a pretty good person. We watch the news and we kind of say, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well. And yet that kind of thinking can make us actually miss... God's forgiveness for us. Why? Because in order to be forgiven, we must admit our own sin. We must not just be comparing ourselves to others and saying, well, we're fine. We must let God, by His Spirit, convict us of our sin <clears throat> and turn, <clears throat> turn away from it, repent and turn away from it, and ask for, for God's forgiveness. And those same kind of thoughts can keep us from forgiving others because, as I said, we tend to think Other people's sins, the way other people offend us, is really worse than how we offend other people. And so the other people are always far more in the wrong than we are. They've hurt us so deeply, we feel like we can't forgive. On one occasion, and it's especially true, (coughs) especially true when people repeatedly do things that hurt us. And so on one occasion... Peter asked Jesus, you know, how many times, Jesus, should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And I'm sure Peter thought that was pretty good. You know, if somebody does something against me once, twice, thrice, four, five, six, seven times, I forgive him seven times, I mean, I must be pretty holy. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And Peter said, well, you know, I don't have a calculator, I can't keep track of 490 Well, Jesus wasn't saying keep track of 70 times 7. He was saying we have to keep on forgiving indefinitely. There should be no limit to our forgiveness of others. And then Jesus told a story that we're going to be looking at in more detail this morning of a master who decided to settle accounts with two debtors, with two people who owed him money. And our story begins in Matthew 18, verse 24. It says, when he, that is the master, began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, the master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. And so this first debtor had a, had a huge debt, 10,000 talents. It depends. There's different ways to convert that. But it's millions and millions of dollars. It's a huge sum of money. It was a debt that this man could never repay. And so his inability to repay his debt was going to cost him everything. He and his whole family would be sold into slavery, and then that's what happened in those days. He didn't just go bankrupt. You know, today we have you just go bankrupt, right? Back then, you went to prison, and you stayed in that prison until the debt was repaid. And all your property was sold to try to repay that debt. And if you could never repay the debt, guess what? You stayed in prison. And so he was facing a lifetime in prison. And so in this story, as we go on, we'll see that the master, Jesus intended the master to represent God. And you and I are meant to identify with this first debtor. Each of us owes an enormous debt to God for our sin. A debt we could never repay. A debt represented by this 10,000 talents, millions upon millions of dollars. You know, if you had a debt of $10 million, how many of us could repay it? If you raise your hand, I'll be talking to you afterwards. <laughs> <Well. clears throat> Most of us could never, all of us, none of us that I'm aware of could repay a debt of that magnitude. And yet, each of us owes an enormous debt. And we don't understand the magnitude of our own debt. We don't understand the greatness of our own sin. For you see, the penalty of what we would consider, even the smallest of sins, you know, the little white lie that you told, the little wrong thought that you had of revenge against somebody, even the smallest of sins, the penalty is eternal death in hell. And so we need to ask God to forgive us. So What happened next in our story, it says, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, that is the master, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And so this debtor gets on his knees. He begs with the master to forgive him. He pledges to forgive everything. That was a bogus pledge. He never could have paid it back. Uh, But he said, I'll do everything I can. And the master, understanding this guy, could never repay the debt. It was far too big. He had compassion on him. His heart went out to him. He forgave the entire debt, and he released him. He was free. The debt was gone. The debt had been canceled. And that's what God does for us. When we admit our sin debt to him, we admit we've sinned. When we repent, we turn away from that sin and ask for his forgiveness. God releases us from the debt. God sets us free. He takes away our guilt. He cancels our debt of sin. Now God is a God of justice and he can't cancel our debt unless somebody else has paid the debt because he's a just God. But that someone else was Jesus. Jesus was able to pay the debt for our sin because Jesus had no sin of his own a lot of people don't understand why it's absolutely essential that Jesus lived a perfect life. And so he did. No one ever accused him of a sin that was ever verified. Jesus lived a perfect life. A lot of people think, well, Jesus must have sinned. If Jesus sinned, nothing makes sense. His death could not have paid the price that our sins might be forgiven. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was the son of God. And he died on the cross. He took our sin upon himself. And he paid the price of death by dying for us on the cross. Colossians 2.13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses, that sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside nailing it to the cross. Now that's kind of a long verse, but it's simply saying that our sin, our debt was nailed to the cross on which Jesus died. And that debt was canceled by Jesus paying the price by dying in our place. We should have died. We should have spent eternity in hell, but Jesus died for us. And so God forgives those who acknowledge their sin Repent and ask for forgiveness. And so what does being forgiven by God have to do with forgiving other people? Well, unless we receive, unless we understand what God has done for us, we really can't forgive other people from our hearts. Now, some people have trouble receiving God's forgiveness. Some people think that their sins are too big for God to forgive. I've done so many bad things. I've offended God in so many ways. He can't possibly forgive me. There's no hope. Perhaps there's something you've done in your past that you just feel like God can't forgive you. But God, the Bible teaches, can forgive any sin no matter how big it is. Jesus paid the price for the most horrendous sinners that have ever left. And if they come to him, humbling themselves, asking for forgiveness, God will forgive them. And a lot of people have trouble Understanding that, how you can have a a mass murderer on death row facing the death penalty and they can ask Jesus for forgiveness and be forgiven and go to heaven. But that's how big God's forgiveness is. And yet other people think their sins are too little, that they're basically good people. They compare themselves to others and they seem quite righteous in their own eyes, and they feel they don't really need forgiveness. The Bible teaches us that no sin is too small. that it doesn't need to be forgiven. And put it another way, that just one sin, no matter how small it is, is enough to keep you out of a relationship with the Holy God. Just one sin, no matter how small it is, is sufficient to keep you out of heaven because heaven is a perfect place and no one who has any sin can enter into heaven. Just one little sin will keep you separated from God for eternity. And so each of us must recognize that we've sinned, that we need forgiveness, and Jesus is able to forgive every, each and every one of our sins. And so once we've been forgiven, we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and then we must choose to forgive others. Last week we talked about how love was not a feeling. Love was a choice that we make to act in another person's best interest, to show them love. Well, forgiveness also is a choice, not a feeling. And when people say I can't forgive someone, what they really mean is I I don't feel like forgiving this person. Forgiveness is a choice. You don't wait until you feel like forgiving or it's probably never going to happen. You may never feel like forgiving. You simply choose to forgive another person because it's the right thing to do. Because Jesus has forgiven you. We must realize that in light of our own huge sin and that's how we must view our own sin, it's easy to forgive others' small wrongs. And this is what Jesus taught in the story that we're looking at this morning. So let's go back to Jesus' story of these two debtors and let's see how the first debtor, the one who had a debt of 10,000 talents, he'd been forgiven. Let's look at how he acted with someone else in verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Well, the first debtor had been forgiven a debt of 10,000 talents, which is millions upon millions of dollars, many years of wages. A denarii is a one-day wage. So this was not an insignificant sum, but a hundred days' pay. That was something you and I could pay back, right? That's a payable debt. It was something this guy probably could have paid debt over time. And yet the first debtor refused to forgive the man. said, I'm not going to give you any time. I want it right now. The man says, I don't have it. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you have. So the first debtor was refusing to forgive the second debtor, and now As we look at this, God has given each of us a sense of fairness. Does this seem fair? He was forgiven millions of dollars, and he wouldn't even give this other guy time to repay his debt. He had been forgiven much, and yet he was unwilling to forgive or to even give the other man time to repay a very small debt. Now, not only must we choose to forgive others' wrongs, we must forgive with compassion, we realize how much compassion God has had on us. He's forgiven us of our sin. You know, God doesn't have to forgive us, but he chose to do it because of his great love for us. And so as we go through this story, the example of this first debtor who has forgiven this enormous amount of money is, is one that we are not to follow. The story continues in verse 29. It says, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. This is the second debtor of 100 denarii. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And so this first servant had no compassion. He had no patience. He had no mercy on the other, uh, his fellow servant. He would not learned anything from the master's forgiveness. He took the forgiveness and he refused to give forgiveness. We are not to be like him. In light of God's forgiveness, we must choose to forgive others people, the people who sin against us. Now, sometimes those who are closest to us are the hardest to forgive. It might be your spouse, might be your children, might be your parents. Maybe you still feel pain that uh, from something that happened a long time ago. There are people who still hold grudges against parents that have already passed on. And that pain eats them up. And the person is long gone. How do you get free of that pain in your soul? It's it's through forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive? To forgive is to cancel the debt. This person hurt, hurt me. I cancel that debt. The debt of taking revenge. The debt of retaliation. To forgive is to not insist on getting even. Of returning evil for evil. To forgive is to replace the hatred, bitterness, anger in our hearts with love. With with God's love. For the person that has hurt us. Now to forgive does not mean that you think what the other person did was okay. A lot of people feel like to forgive means I'm letting them off the hook. That's not what it means at all. To forgive is to say What you did is very wrong, but I choose to forgive you, and I leave justice in God's hands. I'm not going to take retaliation. I'm not going to take revenge. You see, when God forgave us, he didn't say, oh, what you did wasn't so bad, so I'm going to forgive you. No, he said, it was very bad. It was very wrong. In fact, it's going to cost the death of my only son to forgive you. But I'm going to do it because I love you. To forgive is to remove the barriers to restoring the relationship from your side. To forgive is to pray for that other person. To pray that the relationship can be restored. Now it takes two to restore a relationship. Not every relationship can be restored. Uh, there are <clears throat> relationships that are harmful. I'm not, there's a whole other teaching we could do on that. We don't have time to get into it today. But from your side, you do everything you can that the relationship could be restored. And so forgiveness begins with a choice. But it's also a process. If you've been deeply hurt and you choose to forgive the other person, it may take time. Because you choose to forgive. And then you see them again. And the hurt and the anger wells up again and you say, I choose to forgive again. And as you continue to forgive, God begins to heal your heart. And as we choose to forgive, we bring freedom to our own lives. And we do our part to restore damaged relationships. Finally, we must learn to resist holding a grudge. What is a grudge? A grudge is, is resentment enough to justify retaliation. A grudge is saying, if I could, if the policeman didn't see, I would get even with you. If there were no consequences, I would take you out. Because I'm really mad at you, what you did to me. That is holding a grudge. When you hold a grudge against someone, you feel this bitterness, this anger, this hurt, this resentment. A, a grudge simply is another word for unforgiveness. It's kind of unforgiveness that's solidified in your heart. And it's continued for a period of time. Unforgiveness leads to bondage. When a person does not forgive someone who has hurt them, they end up hurting themselves. Because they live with this pain. They live with this anger. It festers in their soul. Unforgiveness leads to a loss of freedom in your life. You feel like you're getting even with the other person by not forgiving. them. I'm not going to forgive you. The other person might not even be aware of your unforgiveness. And even if they are, you are the one that carries the greatest bondage. In the story that Jesus told, the master then found out that the unforgiving servant had not forgiven the other servants. And so here's what he told him. In verse 32, then his master summoned him, that's the first debtor, the first servant, and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And so the master called this unforgiving servant a wicked and evil servant. The master sent the unforgiving. Forgiving servant to prison, he, as we'll see, he revoked the forgiveness he had previously given to him. Verse 34, and in his anger, his master delivered him, that's the first servant, to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so the master revoked his forgiveness of this enormous debt. He put him in prison from which he could never repay the debt. So he was sentenced to life in prison. He was in bondage for the rest of his life because he did not forgive his brother from his heart. Bondage means your life is not free. Bondage means that you are consumed with bitterness. You're consumed with thinking about your pain. You're consumed with thinking about this other person who's hurt you. And when your life is dominated by such a grudge, you're going to experience spiritual, emotional, physical problems. You won't be free to serve God. You won't be free to follow his plan. All because of this unforgiveness. In fact, unforgiveness removes God's forgiveness. Now, we saw this in the story. The first debtor's forgiveness was revoked because he refused to forgive the second servant's debt. We're commanded by Jesus to forgive others from our hearts. That's the conclusion to his story in verse 35. We're commanded to forgive because we've been forgiven. If we don't forgive, and for some reason this is a little taught teaching because it's an uncomfortable teaching, if we don't forgive others, then God will revoke our forgiveness. Well, how can you say that? Because Jesus said it. Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer at the very end. What are we to pray in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Jesus made it perfectly clear in Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Absolutely clear. Since we've been forgiven by God, we have an obligation to forgive everyone who hurts us. And if we don't forgive others, just as Jesus taught in the story of the two debtors, then God won't forgive us. And that has eternal implications, does it not? If we're not forgiven, then we are not in relationship with God, and our eternal destiny is no longer heaven. We must forgive others. And so, God would have us daily forgive those who hurt us. Again, the Lord's Prayer forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so, as we ask God to forgive our sins on a daily basis, we should be forgiving others on a daily basis. Now, sometimes it's appropriate to talk to the other person and say, I forgive you, especially if they say, I'm sorry. A good thing to say, I forgive you. Uh, sometimes our forgiveness is just in our own hearts. Uh, and there are times you have to seek God. There are times it's good to talk to the other person. And some other times, perhaps, it's just something that you do in your own heart. Reminded of a story from World War II, there was a lady named Corey Tenboom. <clears throat> she wrote uh, books like, called The Hiding Place and others. She was imprisoned in a Nazi prison camp, concentration camp. She and her sister were there. She experienced many unspeakable horrors, many unspeakable terrors at the hands of the German prison guards. And later after she was released from prison, she did not die in prison, she, she went around speaking of her experiences in different uh, types of conferences. And she was a believer. And one day she at one of these conferences, She met one of the most cruel, one of the most heartless guards. She recognized him. She was at a meeting, and of all things, she was speaking about forgiveness. And the former guard came up to her and held out his hand and said, Will you forgive me? And Corey writes that she didn't feel a trace of love, not a trace of warmth to this man. All the memories of the things that he had done to her, her sister, and other people flooded back into her mind. And she didn't know what to do. Finally, she offered up a silent prayer and she said, Jesus, help me. And she felt the Spirit of God prompting her to simply extend her hand in forgiveness to the man. And, And as she did, she writes that she felt an incredible flow of the love of God as she extended her hand to the man. Kindness, and she began to weep. And she cried out, I love you, my brother. And she writes and says, I have never known the love of God so intensely as I did in that moment. And so to set a prisoner free as you forgive someone is to discover The prisoner was you, and you've been set free as you forgive those who have hurt you. And so when we realize how much God has forgiven us, we can choose to forgive others with God's help. We can resist holding grudges. We can make things right. Forgiveness is the key to restoring damaged relationships. In fact, forgiveness is the key to maintaining relationships because we're all going to hurt each other. In every relationship, no matter how great it is, we're all sinners. And we need to both give and to receive forgiveness. Forgiveness releases the power of God into our lives and into our relationships. Now, as we've said, in order to truly forgive from our hearts, we must have experienced God's forgiveness. To experience God's forgiveness, we need to admit that we've sinned. We need to repent, turn away from that sin, and ask for God's forgiveness. We must believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And three days later, he rose from the dead, and he's alive today. And we commit ourselves to following him as our Lord and Savior. So I'd like us now to bow our heads and If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ or you'd like to recommit your life to him today, I'd encourage you to pray along with me something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I turn away from that sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. I believe you rose from the dead three days later, and you're alive today. And I commit my life to serving you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for paying my debt. In Jesus' name I pray.